The Money Show. The Big Issue. The, the details of the last will and testament of uh, former President Nelson Mandela are uh, coming out today and we've seen a copy of the will and it is a magnificently drafted document and you would expect it to be a magnificently drafted document because it's been drafted by some of the finest legal minds in the country. Now, what is a will and what is in your will? Do you even have a will? And if you're asking what is a will, then... We have a very serious problem. We're talking wills this evening following the publication of those details of Nelson Mandela's estate. The value of that estate estimated between 45 and 46 million rand. Uh, it's left to Grasse Michelle, family members, staff, schools and, of course, the ANC. Wits University and Fort Hare and Hilltown, where he was educated, also received some very significant amounts of money. Uh, and so it's very well, good to welcome Andrew Duncan, who is an estate fiscal and tax planning expert. He's a lawyer by trade. I mean, wills are are fascinating documents, I suppose, Andrew, because we look at it in terms of this is the legacy of a life. And um, some of us will leave 10 rand, some of us will leave 46 million rand. Nelson Mandela's left quite a lot of money. Yes, I, I think they are fascinating. Most of my clients, however, think they're very boring. Come to me once, have the world done, and then hope that they never have to see me again. But <laughs> what you're saying, uh, Bruce, is correct. It is a very important document. If you don't do it, if you don't do it correctly, However complicated or simple it is, you are asking for huge troubles, both in family and in the way it's executed afterwards, because you would leave it to people who know nothing or not necessarily much about wills if you don't nominate your executor, nominate this, etc. So it's, it is an important document, and people do die. You know, everyone thinks they're never going to die, but of course you do die, and it's important to do it correctly and in a way that other people can understand so that can be put into effect. Some people say, well, I'm, I'm not rich enough to have a will. I've got a, a house worth 564,000 rand and I've got a bank account with 50,000 rand in it. It's not worth drawing up a will. The lawyers will just take all the money. Well, that is a fairly common attitude, isn't no, it? I don't think so, really. I think that if you've looked after children, you brought them up, Leaving a will is a fairly obvious answer to why you need one. No, absolutely. I get it. You get it. But I don't. I, uh, there are there are so many people who, who die interstate that haven't gone through the thought process. Well, I, I, yeah, I think then it just if there is very little, it's very easy to wind up, so to speak. But most people today, I'm talking about middle classes, and I don't know what you call them, but people who've been working all their lives, they've got. They've got money. They've built up assets. Not necessarily huge, but it's important for them to be able to leave a comprehensive, understandable way that those assets are to be dealt with. And those that don't do that and have that kind of money are silly. In my opinion. Now, I look at Nelson Mandela's will, and you must, you'll see wills that are well drafted, wills that are badly drafted. Nelson Mandela's will to a layperson looks like a work of art. It, it, it's been carefully considered. There are many beneficiaries from across Nelson Mandela's life, from Hilltown and uh, um, to, to, of course, Fort Hare University. Wits University has received a nice allocation. But it does look as if this has been very carefully considered, and um, all the boxes have been ticked. It's, it's a well drafted document. Yeah. Yes, I think it is. It's, it's quite complicated, but I think really all he's doing is he's picking out his children and his grandchildren and specifying amounts and say it must go to them. And he, he's also saying that he's married in community of property to his wife, Graka, who they call Mrs. Michelle. I'm not quite sure why, but anyway. No, she is Mrs. Michelle. She's okay. Grasa Michelle. She's, yeah. she's made, remained Grasa Michelle, yeah. Oh, I, don't, I didn't understand. You should meet my wife. She'll tell you what her name is too. Okay. Uh, <laughs> 
Women do well, that nowadays, Andrew. Women do that nowadays. Yes, well, I'm a little bit <laughs> old-fashioned and <clears throat> stupid. But he said, and so she owns half his estate, and he said in this, well, listen, Grucker, um, <clears throat> you own half my estate, but if you waive and abandon all your rights to that half of my estate, I'll give you all this. And you'll see the, the I think, three houses in Naputo, and there's a house um, somewhere else, and um, I think uh, I'm not sure. I, I can't remember. But there, anyway, four, there are four properties so in Maputo. If, if memory serves, in the yes. Houghton House and other properties. I think yeah. it is the Houghton House as well. But if she accepts all that, then her half share of his whole estate goes by the board, and then that can be dealt with to the children. Because it's very difficult if you think of it. If you're married in community, you can only give a kid or whoever you're giving half of that house, half of that share, because the other share is Good owned, point. owned yeah. by Mama. And of course, when you've married three times, you've got disparate children. <laughs> yeah. So what you want to do is you want to clear your estate out so that you are the owner of everything and you say, right, I want one tenth to go to him, one sixth to her, etc. And that's what he can do. Of course, if Groka then says, look, <laughs> sorry, Omar, I know you're you know, wanted this, but I'm not going to sign that waiver. <laughs> then I, um, then I, we are. I think when you say it's a well-drafted, crafted will, I don't necessarily think, well, anyway, you know. No, but, but the idea of a will is, I mean, you, you want to give a, an indication of what your preference would be as to how your assets should be dissipated after your departure. Um, and <clears throat> you hope that people will do the right thing in your family. Um, and you hope that people will play by whatever agreements you might have had before your death. Are you saying that you need to cast it in stone so it's absolutely clear what your last will and testament is? There's no room for, for negotiation? Yes. Well, that's an that's a interesting question because, <clears throat> as you know, between spouses, there's no donations duty. Yeah. So, in fact, what he could have done is donate he could have said, okay, look, you now waive your entire entitlement to, to the half share – and she signs there and then, and he then there and then donates whatever he's donated and schedule one to the will. You could have done it that way around. But I think I'm quite sure that Grucker will wave if you wish to know. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I suspect, suspect Grucker Michelle will wave. She is a woman of independent means. Yes. Rian Buerta on the line to us this evening, the, nas- the National Manager of Will Services at Absa Trust. And, I mean, the importance of estate planning, Rian, whether you've got an estate worth a million or 46 million in the case of Nelson Mandela, um, an absolutely crucial part, unfortunately, of the admin of life. Yes, uh, definitely, Bruce. Um, if you look at the structure that former President Nelson Mandela put in place, he took into consideration all various types of factors. Various trusts have been set up, companies have been set up. All of that eased the transfer of the assets to aim to avoid the uncertainties over the administration of the estate. And the final product was the will, which will make it very difficult for people to contest the will because everything is put into writing and everybody knows where all the assets will be going to. Is this a tax-efficient will, Rian? Yes. If you look at the current structures that he's got, with the various family trusts and the companies, most of the assets are held in those entities to minimise the estate GD taxes, the capital gains tax implications. There will definitely be an estate GD implication, because each person only gets an abatement of 3.5 million rand for estate duty taxes. Thus, anything above that, 20% estate duty taxes will be payable. But with the current structures in place, he has really minimized that implications. 
Uh, which, which then goes to the point that, I mean, you know, pe- you know, the state charges death duties. It's entitled to do so. But if Nelson Mandela structured his will to avoid some of the worst excesses of state interference in your private wealth, then it's okay for the rest of us, Rian? Yeah, well, that's, that's true. It's, it's something that affects the, the very high net worth individuals within South Africa. And with ads, within ads of trust, we've seen that it's been neglected by most people. And the proper structures are not put into place to avoid these taxes being paid. And throughout the country, we've got the experts to assist our clients in handling these types of affairs. And it's, it's a South African thing that we tend to avoid drafting our last will and testament because we think we're going to die as soon as we do that, which is not the case. We're just avoiding uncertainties. Ryan, when, when you look at it from your perspective, I mean, at APSA, you must have many thousands of wills, tens of thousands of wills under your care um, for people with relatively little and people with a lot of money. Um, Buhake Cindy on my Twitter account is asking me this evening, is a will necessary for those who have no descendants and virtually no assets under their name? I mean, even if you have only you know, 10,000 rands worth of assets and you have no descendants, at least the SPCA could benefit if you bothered to draw up a will. That's correct. Even if you have no assets but you've got dependents, it's important to document within your will what should happen to your dependents. Who should take care of your dependents after your death? And even if you only have a motor vehicle, it's important to appoint an executor to handle the affairs of your estate. Rian Buerta, thanks very much. National Manager of Will Services at APSA Trust. This is the importance of planning an estate. Andrew Duncan with me in studio is an estate fiscal and tax planning expert. When we look at the use of trusts, I mean, it, it starts getting very complicated and it starts, you know, in, involving lawyers and it involves accountants and involves administration fees. And SARS isn't particularly fond of trusts, mostly because it allows people to house assets in a way that makes it harder for SARS to get its 20% in death duties. Bruce, I think you must understand one thing. Um, when Ruan says, you know, there are lots of people that don't do wills and, and um, don't uh, do their estates properly and don't do trusts and things like that, the receiver collects one-tenth of one cent for donations, tax and estate duty in the budget. So, in other words, he pulls in something like $780 million out of a budget of $800 trillion. So it's one-tenth of one cent. So people in South Africa do create entities, trusts in particular, to lodge their assets in so that when they die, there's not more than 3.5 or mm-hmm. it's the last dying 7 million left there. That is a tiny, minimal, tiny amount of money that is collected. That's why for a long time, a state duty has been seen as a dead tax and regarded as such by Treasury and SARS. It's such a small amount actually now that they don't even bother with it anymore. But because it's more hassle getting rid of it, so to speak. Uh, Sorry, are you then saying that it's pointless having a a trust structure? Are you saying that SARS doesn't bother collecting the debt? No. I can't believe that for a second. No, What what I'm saying to you is that anyone with substantial assets does set up a trust. Okay, very good. And and, and that's actually what 
uh, President Mandela, ex-president, has done here, he's got a number of trusts. Now, when you say this is worth 46 million or he's got 46 million, the three trusts named, heaven knows what's in those trusts. It could be hundreds of millions. And that's why he's only going to pay a state duty on 46 million, less what he's left his wife, because there's no state duty there. Yeah. But he's going to pay substantial, from what I can see, if it's 46 million, less 3.5, less 10 million, he said his life, that's 30 million. He's still going to pay 6 million estate duty at 20%, which is, which is money. So, you, you, but, in, but our point and what we're trying to learn from this evening is to <coughs> establish the best way of, of doing a will. And for yes. anybody uh, with, a, with a net worth of probably more than 3.5 million, um, a trust is possibly a way of, of considering going. Yes, but you can't create a trust in your will. It's too late. No. You've already got the assets in your will. So what you've got to do is create that trust at the earliest possible stage and then house assets within it that appreciate, whether by whatever, interest-free loan or whatever. So that's clearly to some extent what um, President Mandela has done. And that's what rich people do. And the collection, the point I'm only making is the collection of a state duty makes it absolutely clear that people are very effectively using a trust mechanism. Which is and, why, which is why SARS doesn't like them. They, they, they don't like them because they're not properly controlled. I don't think that SARS or the Treasury is going to attack the form of taxation that presently exists in regard to trust, notwithstanding what was said in February last year by Prop and Gordon. I think they're going to get make sure that monies distributed by trusts, monies going into trusts and the like, are properly regulated and taxed in, th- in that manner. The Money Show. The big issue. We're using Nelson Mandela's will as a way to exhibit that uh, even uh, Nelson Mandela put his assets into trusts. Even Nelson Mandela looked to make his will as tax efficient as possible. Um, and uh, ask a question on the SMS line. I'm with Andrew Duncan, who is a tax planning expert. He's a, an estate duty planner. Um, when you create a trust, ask somebody, Andrew, on the SMS line, are you not paying a fortune to transfer your assets into that trust? Good question. Yes, well, I think obviously if it's a movable property and the like, uh, you're going to be paying money. So one one can't suggest that. But the point about trust is right from the beginning. You put your holiday home into it. Why? Because it's going to be there for families, generations, forever and a day. So you don't buy it in your own name and then transfer it. That's the critical thing about trust. You think ahead and you put it in right from the beginning. If you're going to transfer your your share portfolio or something, it can be costly because you can have to pay, may have to pay CGT. But if it's done skillfully using the provisions of the Income Tax Act, Section 42 in particular, you can do it on a rollover basis where it doesn't cost you. So there, there's always a way whereby you can do it. But the critical lesson, Bruce, is do it early rather than late. It's as simple as that. Absolutely. And it's not so a costly at, exercise at, at, at the beginning of your working career rather than once you've made it because then you start actually spending money transferring assets into, into the that, trust rather than the trust that, owning the assets. That's exactly correct. Tyrone in Cryfontaine. Tell us your problem here, Tyrone. Hi. Hi, Bruce. Good evening. Yeah, uh, uh, Bruce, okay, I've got an aunt. Which okay, which lives like a hermit. She's about eighty, sixty years old. Okay, has got a, a few hundred thousand uh, in the bank. Um, I handle okay, um, well, actually, money affairs, but she refuses okay, to make out okay. Well, I've taken people to her. We've okay, spoken to her about it okay, and she just okay refuses to make out any will. And I just don't know how to actually let her make out a will. She's got no children of her own also. 
Tyrone, thanks very much. And again, I mean, here's a lady who's 86 years old who's possibly trying to deny the inevitable here, Andrew, who yeah, just simply look, it's, won't, it's, it's won't quite, do it. It's quite difficult. What he should do is go and chat with her and say, listen, what would you like if you were to die? And she'll say X, Y, and Z. He must then get it typed out, what she, what she wants, and then take it to her and bring in at the same time two independent witnesses and say, look, dear, dear, is this the kind of thing you're thinking of? And if she says yes... On a very simple basis, she can sign it, date it, and get two witnesses signed. So I think, yeah, that, that would be a way to deal with it. We don't know if she's frightened of lawyers or doesn't want to waste the money on lawyers. A last will and testament can be a very simple document. I have this house worth 100,000 rand. I would like it to go to Tyrone, signed Auntie Mabel or whatever it might be. Um, with two witnesses should be sufficient. It is a last will and testament. It's, exactly, a, it's a document. Exactly correct. Okay, Tyrone, it doesn't have to be complicated uh, is the point. So good luck with that particular process. Dee in Kenilworth, your question. Oh, hi. Yes, you've kind of answered it. But obviously, um, if you want to put houses in a trust, you, you said that you have to actually um, buy them and put them in the trust. You can't own them and then put them in the trust. And you they need- have to be over 3500 Thank you, Dee. Um, you have to pay transfer duties because you are changing the ownership structure there, Andrew. To and CGT. And capital gains yeah, tax exactly. as well. Exactly. It's a big 13.3% of the value. Except, of course, yeah, if it's a re- primary residence, then there's no point in transferring a primary residence because you get that abatement of 2 million rand. So keep primary residences, in essence, out of trust. Get the 2 million that you can on a disposal or on death. But otherwise, put put the stuff that's going to remain with you and your family forever and a day and appreciate inner trust as early as early as you can and it's as simple as that what do we what is the main lesson that you pick up out of your cursory reading because it's only been published today of Nelson Mandela's will what can we learn from the expert Michael Katz who have drew up that particular document well i th- i think the important thing is that the person who instructed that this will be drawn clearly knew how he wanted what he had to be paid out on his death. And the language is reasonably complicated, but I think fairly accurately, simply and comprehensively reflects that intention. If someone doesn't know what they want and makes it, and the person writing it out also doesn't really know, <laughs> it gets complicated. So it's, it's a well-drafted will, but clearly... Mr. Mandela knew what he wanted to do. And that is probably the biggest lesson we can draw from it. Know what you want, express it clearly, and leave very little room for argument. Andrew Duncan, who's an estate and uh, tax planning expert, thanks very much for coming in.